Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, July 20th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York metropolitan area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Avery Loftus. And I'm Christina Lulich. And here are today's headlines. Mayor Adams has announced that New York City has no more room for asylum seekers. He says that there will be a new policy in place that changes current emergency shelter rules. Now, single adult migrants have two months to find housing before being forced to leave the shelter. The city will begin to hand out 60-day removal notices to men and women who are staying in the network of emergency shelters established in the past year. But Adam says the city will re-intensify case management services to help migrants find other housing options. Adams may continue to speak about this topic on his new radio show, Hear from the Mayor, on WBLS 107.5 FM. The episodes will air semi-regularly, featuring news of the day, special guests, and call-ins. The first episode will air on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. The city of New York is settling a civil rights lawsuit which could pay out millions to those who experienced police brutality during the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020. Over $13 million will be paid to about 1,300 people. That's so the city doesn't have to go to court. However, some protesters may be ineligible for settlement funds. Such as those arrested for trespassing, property destruction, and assaulting an officer. If approved, the settlement would be the largest for mass arrests. Yesterday's subway and bus fare hikes are going into effect quicker than expected for New Yorkers. But that's not the only reason the MTA is making headlines today. We're joined by WFUV's David Escobar to learn more. Hey, guys. Hey, David. So we know the MTA is raising their fares starting in late August. But what else did we discover about their crackdown on fare evasion? Yeah, so according to their recent fare evasion report, the MTA has started introducing a surveillance software that uses artificial intelligence. That's to spot people hopping turnstiles and use emergency exit doors to evade fares. So exactly how long has the MTA been using this technology? Well, no one can really know for sure, but according to the MTA's own report, the AI-powered surveillance has been used in at least seven stations around the city since May. MTA officials are saying that the technology will help the bleeding when it comes to fare evasion, but by their own estimates, they lost $690 million to fare evaders in 2022 alone. So what are the capabilities of this AI technology? So that's the interesting part, Christina. Part of the reason this whole operation flew under the radar was because the AI system didn't flag fare evaders to the NYPD. It seems that the technology has been used as a counter for the MTA to estimate how much money it's losing every year. And that makes sense. How else would they get their yearly fare evasion stats? But the problem is that the MTA have declined to comment whether or not this technology will start being used to prosecute fare evaders, which could breach all types of ethics and privacy norms. I see. That does make sense. So what should New Yorkers know about this situation going forward? For now and to our knowledge, this AI surveillance system isn't going to be used to track people's identities. But that doesn't mean that New Yorkers shouldn't be concerned. The MTA says it's going to expand the system to about two dozen more stations by the end of the year, with even more to follow. David Escobar is the news editor at WFUV. David, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Today, New Yorkers can take part in celebrating Columbia's Independence Day. 
This morning, actor Natalia Reyes participated in a lighting ceremony at the Empire State Building. The Colombian Consul General in New York, Andres Mejia Pisano, was also in attendance. The Great South Bay Music Festival starts today at Shorefront Park in Pachag, Long Island. The four-day event features rock, jazz, country, and funk musicians. You can still purchase tickets last minute on the festival website. And on this day in 1986, Columbia Records released Bob Dylan's classic song, Like a Rolling Stone. The song would go on to reach number two in the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. This month, the WFUV Newsroom is highlighting advocacy groups trying to build a better New York City. Abortion access and reproductive rights have been a contentious topic for decades, but organizations like New York Abortion Access Fund work to provide people with the resources they need. I sat down with Chelsea Williams-Diggs, the Interim Executive Director of NIAF. The right to accessible abortions is a stigmatized topic around the world. And in the U.S., Ever since the overturning of the landmark court case Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court last year, abortion access has become even more restricted, and in some states, incredibly rare. That's why organizations like New York Abortion Access Fund, also known as NIAF, were created. NIAF has been around for decades. Abortion funds have been around for decades. And that's because barriers to abortion have existed for decades, since pretty much Roe was legalized or since Roe was decided. That's Chelsea Williams-Dix. She's the interim executive director at NIAF. The group is New York's only local and statewide abortion fund. It was founded in 1999 by college students living in New York City. NIAF covers all costs for people seeking an abortion if they live or travel to New York State. We are working with the folks who don't have other resources, don't have other options, and need to be able to access the health care that they deserve. And we're there to help bridge that gap. Healthcare access is a nationwide obstacle, but navigating abortion access is an even more difficult hurdle. That's because not all insurances cover abortions, and even the ones that do may not be accepted at certain clinics. And if people don't have insurance, out-of-pocket costs for abortions can cost anywhere between $600 to $25,000. So this is where organizations like NIAF step in. Since the reversal of Roe, they have helped people from over 30 states, the District of Columbia, the Virgin Islands, and eight other countries. We are making the impossible possible every day and supporting folks who might not even realize that there is support for them. Oftentimes I'll talk to callers and they're like, you know, what's the catch? But there is no catch. NIAF does all of the work. They pay the costs directly to the clinic they are partnered with. Williams Diggs says that in an environment of many social injustices, this is just one way NIAF lends a hand. We recognize that abortion access will not fix every issue, right? Our paying for someone's abortion won't fix every issue, but it is a piece, right, of, of liberation. It's a piece of social justice. It's a piece of reproductive justice. And it's important to be able to give that to folks. And anyone can take part in helping fulfill this reproductive justice. 
80% of NIAF's funding is from grassroots donations. This means regular people within their own communities financially support NIAF with their contributions. While New York has maybe less barriers than other states, while it is a blue state and while it is more abortion friendly, there's still so much work that we need to do to be the abortion safe haven that we claim to be. For more information, head to nyaaf.org. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was my co-host, WFUV's Christina Lulich, speaking to Chelsea Williams-Dix from NIAF. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUV.org news and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Avery Loftus. And I'm Christina Lulich. And that's What's What.